All right, Jabal say good morning. Good morning. Let us begin. Begin by thanking all of our sponsors for today's shir. To thank our Talatora sponsors for the month of Cheshvan. To thank Stephen Tarizin for dedicating all the Sherman Joshals this month in loving memory of Steve's father, Bunim Tzvi Ben Chaim, on the occasion of his 18th yard site. Leah Soul, as is Chusfura Fushlima for her daughter Ilana Bas Esther, and for all of those wounded in Eretz Yisrael and the Schus of all of our soldiers, Yonasan and Rachel Wolf, for a complete and lasting Rafushlima for Rafael Yitzchak Baruch Ben Esther, Jerry and Sarah Wolaski, and the Schus Rafushlima for their grandson, Zechariah Dove. Ben Peral Shira, and Azriel and Iris Miller in the schools of our holy soldiers of the IDF and in the merit of our brothers and sisters in Eretz Yisrael. We thank our week of learning sponsors. Robert Imus, in honor of the art site of his mother, Rus Bas Sora, and an appreciation for the entire Dafyomi Shir. Incredible. We thank all of our sponsors for their generosity and for the beauty of their sponsorships. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, all of the Nisham, Slav, and Aliyah, the families in Nechama, and all those who need a refuah should have one together with Kol Chole Yisrael. And we, of course, echo the sentiment that Emir Sashem, our learning, should be a schos for our holy soldiers, that they should be successful in all of their missions. And Emir Sashem, who should give our brothers and sisters in Eretz Yisrael the staying power, the hope, the confidence, and the strength to be able to weather the coming days. We will say with that, let us, let us begin. So we are picking up Emir Sashem. Today's daf is Samech Zayin, 67. And we are picking up Emir Sashem on 66b, Samech Vav Amadriz. We have, we have a lot to do today. Um, so we are picking up Emir Sashem. Emir Sashem. Hischel uh, Rabbi Akiva, right? I think that makes sense. Hischel Rabbi Akiva. It's like punked in the middle of the page. So we'll say, so remember again, just to reorient ourselves very quickly. So we had a machlokus Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Tarfin about what happens if we find a mikvah that is deficient. That is deficient. So obviously, I understand from this point going forward, anything that the, 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 uh, the mikvah is unusable. And obviously, anything immersed in the mikvah will still retain its tummy identity. What's the Shiloh? The shayla is, what about anything that has been immersed in that mikvah? In other words, let's say, here's what I know in that case. In other words, the point that the mikvah was kosher, and now, and now I know the mikvah is not kosher. So in between the last point that I know that the mikvah is kosher, and now, what is the status of anything immersed inside of that mikvah? That's our fundamental shayla. So Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Tarifin says tar, everything immersed there up until the point now ultimately is tar, and Rabbi Akiva ultimately says that it's tummy. So again, the Machlokas Rabbi Kivan Rabbi Tarfon turned out to be a Machlokas, and what do you compare mikvah to? Do you compare mikvah to a Kohen who's found out to be a Balmum, in which case, again, all of his abode is retroactively void? Or do you compare it to a case of a Kohen who's found out to be a Ben Grusha Ben Chalutza, in which case, again, his past avoda is fine, but going forward, ultimately is not. Because Hizchur Rabbi Akiva Ladun, mikvah, pisula biyachid, abamum, pisula biyachid. So Rabbi Akiva says, a mikvah, its status, its status could be ascertained through the testimony of an individual. And ultimately, again, if a coin is a balmum, that could also be ascertained through the testimony of an individual. But don't come, we can't compare mikvah to testifying about a coin who is a ben grusha ben chalutza because that requires two witnesses. That requires two witnesses. Now, both sides. The Yibar has not explained why does, why does testifying about a Kohen that he's a Baal Mum, why does it only require one witness? We're going to come back to that. Dara Acher, the other possibility is, Mikvah, Psula Bagufo, Baal Mum, Psula Bagufo. The other possibility I will say is, 
that ultimately mikvah, the psul that we're talking about is an inherent psul in the actual mikvah itself. Similarly, balmom psul begufo. When a coin is discovered to be a balmom, that's also a psul, that's also a disqualification inherent in the coin himself. And therefore, again, don't compare it to a Ben Grusha Ben Chalutza, where ultimately, again, the Psul, say the Psul of a Ben Grusha Ben Chalutza is not in the coin. I mean, it is in the coin, but it's not cost from him, it's cost from something external to him. So I will say, after Rabbi Akiva says this, this is so beautiful. Amrali Rabbi Tarfon, Amrali Rabbi Tarfon, Akiva, Rabbi Tarfon says, Rabbi Akiva, Akiva, Kala Porish Mimcha, Ki Porish Minachayim. It's such a beautiful statement. So Rabbi Tarfan agrees. He ultimately agrees with Rabbi Akiva, or at least in concept agrees with Rabbi Akiva. And he gives us this incredible praise. Akiva, whoever separates from you, separates from life. And I will say, he could have just said, you're right, right? right? Or shkoyach, right? What do you mean, whoever separates from you, separates from you. I will say, so we, we understand the profundity of this statement. I will say, this goes back, this goes back to the doubt that we had on the day of Shemini Aseras, right? When we quoted Rabbi Akiva. So remember again, who is Rabbi Akiva? Rabbi Akiva at the end of the day is the sole, per- not the sole personality, but the dominant personality who teaches us how to have confidence and how to have hope and how to have optimism even in the darkest of times. Rabbi Akiva is one who's while he's being brutally executed by the Romans, finds a way to teach those around him how to go ahead and experience an aliyah even in the most overwhelming times of Yerida. Rabbi Akiva teaches us how to find Kiddusha in the midst of Tumah. He teaches us how to find light in the midst of darkness. Rabbi Akiva is the one who represents, at the end of the day, the fundamental staying power of Klal Yisrael. That's Rabbi Akiva. Always referencing back to the Gemara Sechus Makis, end of Makis, right? Where all the Rabbanim are walking through the ruins of the Beis HaMikdash, and all they see is ruin and desolation. And what does Rabbi Akiva say? Rabbi Akiva sees hope. Rabbi Akiva sees the future. Rabbi Akiva sees building. So I will say that line is so true and resonates, especially with such incredible importance for us contemporarily. If you separate yourself from the Hashkafa of Rabbi Akiva, Kiparish Menachayim, then I will say you lose yourself in the abyss of darkness. There's so much overwhelming sadness. And there's so much overwhelming tragedy. And there's so much overwhelming loss. But if you hold on to Rabbi Akiva, ultimately you'll be filled with hope, with optimism, with a vision of light for the future. You go ahead and divorce yourself from Rabbi Akiva, ultimately again a person could so easily give up on life. So profound. So let's go back for just a second. Right? Rabbi Akiva mentioned that a Baal his, his status could be established ultimately again through, through, through an Eid Echad. What's that case? Hey, dummy, what's that case? Either come if ultimately again, so in other words, the Eidechah says, you're a Balmum, and the coin says, no, I'm not. So, me, Mehem, would the Eidechah be believed in that case? Ella the Shasik. Rather, I'm saying, must be, what's the case? Remember, this, this, this is our primary topic, by the way. Remember, again, what's the, how, how do we get into all of this? All of this is because we're dealing with the case of what happens if Ruven and Rachel say that they're married, and that claim is backed up by an Eidechah. So does that mean anything? Does that mean anything? Then we went from there about what happens if an Eid Echad says something and the person about whom he's testifying is silent, right? Does the acquiescence, does silence mean acquiescence? And does acquiescence ultimately again give power to the Eid Echad? So this is all, so what's the case of the Eid Echad by the Baal So the Gemara says, if at the end of the day, rather it must be, the Eid Echad is saying to the coin, coin, you're a Baal and the coin is silent. 
with the Kavasika of Ben Grusha Ben Chalutza. The Shasik, I will say the parallel case would be by Ben Grusha Ben Chalutza. An Eid Echad shows up, says to an Eid says to a coin, you're a Ben Grusha Ben Chalutza, and the coin is silent. The Katani, Mikva Pesula B'yachid, or Balmuk Pesula B'yachid. So ultimately, what did the Brayse say? The Brayse said, or the Mishnah said, that Mikva, status of the Mikva, could be established through an Eid Echad, just like the status of a coin Balmum could be established through an Eid Echad. But ultimately, again, do not bring a ride. Ben Grusha Ben Chalutza, that has to be established through two people. Now, I've said, interestingly enough, so what do you see from here? The fact that a Ben Grusha Ben Chalutza, that status could only be established through two witnesses, indicates to us what? That Ein Davr Sheba Erva Pachos Mishnayim. That whenever you have a matter concerning Erva, which is both said, remember again, if you. If you testify that a coin is a Ben Grusha Ben Chalusa, what does that mean? You're testifying that his parents' marriage is illegal. That's a Dabr Sheba Erva. And a Dabr Sheba Erva, by definition, is going to require two witnesses. Va'abayim Rabbayim says, the Olam to Kamachish. No, no, no. The case is where when the coin goes out and says, so the, I'm sorry, when the witness says to the coin, you're a Balmum, the coin is contradicting him. The Dika'amrit Amay Mehamin, I, so you'll say, one second. If a guy's showing up and says, hey, Cohen, you're a Balmum. And Cohen says, no, I'm not. So why would we believe the Balmum? And the, why would we believe the Eid Echad in that case? It's very simple. The Amrlei, Shalach Achvi, Shalach Achvi. So we'll say, this is very simple. So, the, so what, what could the Eid Echad say? Take off your clothes. In other words, I'm claiming you're a Balmum. You're claiming you're not a Balmum. And let's say this is not something esoteric, right? This is something easily discernible. So ultimately, again, if the coin either refuses to do so, right, that would seem to indicate that there's legitimacy ultimately to the testimony of the Eid Echad. This is why we said before, the similarity between the mikvah and the coin Balmum is the mikvah, the psul is inherent in the mikvah itself, and Balmum, Balmum, the psul is inherent in the coin himself. Fine. So the says, ben So now, so we'll say fine. So that that's that's, that's the end of that first section. So we'll see again. We'll say we will see that. Well, we'll, we'll get to that halacha just a little bit. Ben Grusha Ben Chalutza Davadosu Kshirim Yalem. Now, we'll say now. What are the interesting distinctions that the Gemara made was as follows? Here was the interesting distinction: If a coin is found out to be a ba, a a balmum, a balmum. Any avoda he has done is retroactively void, which is pretty, pretty significant. If a coin is found out to be a ben grusha ben chalutza, anything he's done in the past is fine, it's kosher. But from this point forward, obviously he can't do the avoda. So, so now we're going to try to figure out where does that distinction come from. It's actually quite interesting. So the Gemara says as follows. Ben grusha ben chalutza, avodasot shayamim. How do you know that when a coin is found out to be a ben grusha ben chalutza, that retroactively his avoda is kosher? So the Gemara says, The Pasuk says, talking about the Kahuna, that the Kahuna will belong to Aaron and his offspring, and his offspring after him. Fascinating drasha. The Torah itself makes an allowance for the offspring of Aaron, both offspring that's kosher, as well as offspring that's possible. So in other words, obviously I'm going to say, just to be clear, once the coin finds out that he's a Ben Grusha Ben Chalutza, what, what is he allowed to do? What is he allowed to do? Nothing, right? In other words, he has, he, he, he's a Chalot. He's a Chalot. So as a Chalot, he's not considered to be a coin. But the point over here is, the Pasuk itself is making an allowance for a more expanded definition of offspring of Aaron, at least retroactively. 
Avod Yishmol or Mehacha. So the father of Shmuel said from his father, from the following verse: Baruch Hashem Chelo Upoel Yadav Tirtze. So literally, again, Hashem should bless his grandeur or his strength. Upoel Yadav Tirtze. The actions of his hands ultimately will be accepted. So what says Afilu Chulin Shabo Tirtze? Even if sometimes it turns out that what the Kohen did ultimately again is it's still accepted as Avodah. You'll come to the coin who is in those days. Why does the Torah have to say you'll go to the coin who's living in your time? Who else are you going to? Who else are you going to? Rather, what that's referring to is a Kohen who was Kasher and then found out to be a Chava. So we'll say, so three different sources, but all agreeing to the basic precept that if you have a coin who's found out to be a Ben Grusha Ben Chalutza, any avoda he has done retroactively is valid. Obviously, from this point forward, the avoda will be invalid. So that's the coin Ben Grusha Ben Chalutza. How do I know that if a coin is found out to be a Balmum, right? He's found out to be a Balmum. Then how do I know that his avoda is possible? Right, so remember again, so now as a coin who's discovered to have a blemish. So now what we're saying is obviously he can't function as a coin going forward. But not only that, retroactively anything he's done is void as well. So I'm Rabbi Huda, Amr Shmuel, Damakra, Lochin, Emor, Hinini, No Silo, Esbrisi, Shalom. We'll say Parashas Pinchas. Therefore, again, when Pinchas becomes a coin, what does Chalish Baruch say? I'm giving him Brisi, Shalom. Now we translate Brisi, Shalom as covenant of peace. Kishu Shalom, below Kishu Chaser. So a little bit of a play on words. When does the Kohen get the covenant of the Kahuna? Brisi Shalim. We're, we're vocalizing it as Shalim. Only when he's whole, i.e. not blemished, unblemished, and not when he's blemished. I have a Shalom Ksiv. It's only one problem. It's a great Jasha. But that's not what it says. Right? It doesn't say Shalim. It says Shalom. So what do you do with that? Amrav Nachman, Vav the Shalom Ketiyahi. The Vav in Shalom, the Vav in Shalom is a shorter Vav. Written with a shorter vav, so the fact that it's written with a shorter vav indicates to us what that halach can be vocalized as shale. Incredible, incredible. So I will say, let's catch up. Let's catch up on a little bit of halach because there's a lot of great halach over here. First of all, again, I will say, first of all, what about the mikveh case? Let's go back to the mikveh case, right? Because this is a big one. This is a big one, right? We build a mikvah. We're building a mikvah, yes, Hashem, right? You build a mikvah. You go ahead and you measure it. You go ahead and you measure it, and it's perfectly fine. Right? Then a month later, you measure it again, it's deficient. So as I say, obviously, again, there's a whole bunch of stuff that happened in that mikvah over the course of the month. What's the status? So that I'm a menilchos mikvos, parak yud halokha vav, says as far as, listen to this. Uh, I want to skip a little bit. Good. He says, kalataros shenasu al gabav mafreya temeos. So we we paskin like Rabbi Akiva. Paskin like Rabbi Akiva. So the halacha is that if you have a mikvah that's found deficient, anything that you've done in the mikvah, up until retroactively to the last point, you know the mikvah is kosher. Ultimately, are, are back to their tamei chazaka. So in other words, let me illustrate this. If you measure the mikvah on Rosh Chodesh Cheshvan, forty saw, right? You measure it again on uh, on the fifteenth of Cheshvan. And it's 39 sa'a. Anything done in those last two weeks reverts back to its tame status. Right? In other words, essentially, the mikvah, the mikvah is only kosher up until the last point you know that it is definitively kosher. 
So very so right, so so it's a pretty it's a pretty dramatic halakha. We pass like Rabbi Akiva. Now it happens to be it happens to be that different forms of tumah may be dealt with different ways, but at least that's the general principle. I will say, what about kohanim? I'm working backwards. I'm working backwards. So listen to this. Any kohen. So I will say. So now remember again, the Gemara made a distinction between a kohen balmum and a kohen ben grusha ben chalusa. So this is how the Rambam paskins. The Rambam says. The Rambam says that halacha lemaisa, halacha lemaisa, a kohen who's a balmum, kohen who's a balmum is not permitted to go ahead and function as a kohen which means he can't enter in to the area of a base Hamikdash where normally, again, Kohanim are permitted to enter. Now listen to this. He says, V'im avad. Good. V'im avar. V'nichnas loka apishla avad. V'im avad mikdash pasal. V'chila avod v'loka afala avoda. Ultimately, again, so we'll say, Salach alamaisa. So the Raman Paskins, the Raman Paskins, that anything a coin Balmum did is, is, is void retroactively as well as, of course, going forward. What about a coin who's found out to be a ben Gusha ben Chalutza? So the Ramam writes in B.S. Mikdash Vav Yud, Ramam writes, Koin Sha'avar v'nivdak v'nimtza chalal avodasu k'shera l'sha'avar ve'in ovei labi. Fascinating, right? So same distinction of the Gemara over here. Distinction of Rabbi Akiva. We pass like, we pass like Rabbi Akiva in all of these cases. So a coin who's found out to be a Balmum, anything he's done is retroactively void. A coin who's found out to be a ben Gusha ben Chalutza Anything retroactively is fine, is kosher, but from this point forward, he cannot function as a coin. As a coin. I will say, why the distinction? Exactly as we saw before. Coin is a balmum, psulo begufo. There's an inherent invalidation. Right? The coin is a ben grusha, ben chalutza. It's a status invalidation, and really, it's not from him. It's not from him. He, as a person, is absolutely physically fit, so to speak for this position. It's the fact that his parents did something that ultimately conveys upon him a status. So ben Gusha ben Chalusa retroactively is good. Ultimately, again, going forward is not going to be good. I will say last case. How did this all start? How did this all start? Reuven and Rachel get married, or the Reuven and Rachel claim that they are married. They have an eight echad that goes ahead and supports them. What's the halacha? So the Rambam says in Nilchol Sishos, Paraktal halacha zayin, hamakadish be'eid echad, ein choshishin likidushin, so if you want to solidify your status as a married person, you need two witnesses. You need two witnesses. The fact that Reuven and Rachel both admit, quote unquote, admit that they are married to each other, and that admission is backed up by Eid Echad, that does not go ahead and help. That is not going to go ahead and create a legal reality. Incredible. So I will say that is all of the halacha lamaisa from this previous sugya. Let us go by the Mishnah. Very interesting Mishnah here. So we'll say, so now we're going to talk about different types of marriages. Anytime that there's kiddushin ve'in avera. So we'll say, what, what, what does that mean? Right? A marriage with no avera. You know what we call that? Marriage. No, 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 that's just like, I know, it's like crazy, like it's like a regular case. Right? Kiddushin, Kiddushin and Noah Bear, in other words, a permitted union. Like, so boring. I didn't wake, I didn't wake up for this. I didn't go for permitted unions. Right? So what happens? So again, see, you just have a regular permitted union. What's Talacha? So we'll say, status is determined by the father. So what's an example of this? So we'll say, what's the example of this? Zu, Kohenes, Levia, the Israelis, Shnasel, Kohen, Levi, the Israel. So we'll say, this is a typical case of marriage, right? So Ruben marries Rachel, Ruben marries Rachel. The status, so to speak, of the child 
is determined by the father. So if Reuven's a Kohen, the kid is a Kohen. Reuven's a Levi, the kid is a Levi. Reuven's a Yisrael, the kid is a Yisrael. That's it. Even if mom, right, even if Rachel is a Kohenes, a Leviah, her status, so to speak, does not get conveyed down to Jah. So any case where it is a permitted union, status of the child determined by the father. Next. What happens if you have a marriage and there is an Avera? In other words, it is a prohibited union. Then what's the halacha? Then what's the halacha? So I'll say in that case, status is determined ultimately, again, by the parent with the blemished status. So what's the example of this? A widow marries a coin gadol. A divorcee marries a regular coin. Mamzer Yisrael. A mamzer or a nosin, right? A, a woman who's a mamzer marries a Yisrael. Or Bas Yisrael or nosin or the mamzer. So say, in cases of prohibited unions, essentially, we'll call it the blemished status gets passed down to the child. So for example, Reuven marries Rachel and Reuven is a mamzer. So therefore, again, their child is a mamzer. And by the way, it would be the same thing if Reuben married Rachel and Rachel was the mamzer, Rachel was the ma- or the mamzeres, then what? The child's a mamzer. So whenever you have a forbidding union, forbidding union, the damaged or blemished status, so to speak, gets passed down to the child. Next. The mamzer. Now we'll say any union where there is no kiddushin, but the parties involved could have kiddushin with someone else. Ultimately, again, the offspring is a mamzer. So the Gemara says, "What is this example?" So say this is any case of arayos. So, for example, a man, right? A man commits adultery with a woman, right? So ultimately, again, remember, their kiddushin is not possible in that case, right? Why is kiddushin not possible in that case? She's married to someone else. Right? A man has relations with his sister. A man has relations with his aunt. Right? A man or his, we'll say, so in any case, any case, his father's wife, who's not his mother, any case that is in Arayos, where even if you try to marry this woman, there is no kiddushin, the offspring of that union is a mamzer. Is a mamzer. So the Gemara says, I will say, in any case where you have a woman who can't have Kiddushin at all, at all, in other words, she can't marry anyone, then ultimately, again, the status of the offspring is like the mother. What's that case? So I will say, this would refer to a Jewish man who has, who has a child with a non-Jewish woman. So this would be a case, again, he's framing it as Vlad Shifcha, the offspring of a shifcha, of a shifcha kinanis, a non-Jewish maidservant, or nachas, or non-Jewish woman. So we'll say, so a shifcha, a shifcha, or ultimately again, or a non-Jewish woman, they can't have kiddushin with anyone. Right? Why? 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 They're not Jewish. They're not Jewish. In other words, you can't have kiddushin if you're not Jewish. So ultimately again, so in that case, status of the offspring goes totally by the mother. Right, so both say so really fascinating categories over here. So let's analyze each of them. Says the Gemara, Kiddushin. So remember again, first case, first case, any situation where there is Kiddushin and there's no Avera. So then what's the halacha? Both say, what's, who, who determines the status of the child? Father. And I, will say, I just want to point out, that's just regular, right? 
Baruch Hashem, that's us, right? That's just re- regular, regular case of marriage. The status of the child is Yehoshua, Kohen, Levi, Yisrael, determined by the father. So the Gemara says, "Amr Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Yochanan, Klaluhu, Klaluhu, the Chomakom Sheish Kedushim Ein Aver Avlad Havlad Poli Achar Azachar." Is that true? Is that true that any case where ultimately again it's a permitted marriage, right? So Yesh Kedushin, there is Kedushin. There's no Avera that the status of the child is determined ultimately by the father. What about Hare Ger? Most of us go top of Samazayin, top of sixty-seven. Hare Ger Shinosam Amzeres. What about the case of a Ger convert? Who marries a mamzeres? Now, we'll say, the yesh kiddushin, ultimately, again, the marriage works. Ve'in avera. That is not a prohibition. A ger is permitted to marry a mamzeres. And yet, what's the halacha? Havlad holich acharapogum. We'll say, what's the status, ultimately, again, of the offspring? The offspring is a mamzer. The sanya ger shnos mamzeres havlad mamzer. The Rabbi Yossi. Rabbi Yossi holds that when a ger marries a mamzeres, ultimately, again, the offspring is a mamzer. Shabbos say, so here's a case. So again, this case goes against the principle of our Mishnah. Our Mishnah said that whenever you have a permitted marriage, no Avera, status is determined by father. Yet, here Rabbi Yossi is saying that if you have a male convert, Reuven converted, right, marries Rachel, who's a mamzeres, permitted union, and yet we're saying the offspring is a mamzer which means status is being determined by mother, not by father. So what's going on over here? Amr Lehi Misarvis Basis and Rabbi Yossi. Okay, that's Rabbi Yossi. Our Mishnah does not reflect the view of Rabbi Yossi. Whose opinion does our Mishnah reflect? Masnis and Rabbi Yehudi Da'amer Ger Lo Yisam Mamzeres. Okay, interesting, I will say. So you're right, the Gemara says it's a good kasha. It's a good kasha. Our Mishnah doesn't reflect that view. Our mission reflects the view of Rabbi Yehuda, and Rabbi Yehuda holds that a ger should not marry a mamzeres. Okay, so that's again, so there, there, difference of marriage. I was like, always so profound that sometimes what looks like a contradiction and what looks like, like, like a problem is actually not a problem, it's just a difference of opinion. And if you accept the fact that in life there are different opinions, you can reconcile almost anything. So ultimately, yeah, there's Rabbi Yossi and there's Rabbi Yehuda. Our Mishnah reflects the view of Rabbi Yehuda that a ger should not marry a mamzeres. Rabbi Yossi says a ger can marry a mamzeres, but there's a but, and the but is the offspring is going to be a mamzer. The next, next category, right? There's a case of where there is kiddushin, but there is an avera. So remember again. So let's say you have a case where marriage is possible, but it's prohibited. For example, for example, a Kohen, a Kohen marries a Grusha, marries a divorcee. Kohen Gadol marries an Amona. A Yisrael marries a Mamzeres. So in all these cases, what's Talacha? What's Talacha? Havlad Achar Hapagum. Ultimately, remember the offspring, the offspring's status is determined by, quote-unquote, the blemished parent, the genealogically blemished parent. Not the genealogically, because not a genealogical blemish, but ultimately, again, is goes after the... Goes, well, call goes after the blemished parent. I'm going to use that lesson of blemished. So the Gemara says, so why not include this case? Why not include ultimately, again, in the case of Gershon Asmamzeras? So the Gemara says, Tana komakom de sefer lasuye. Inach will say, when it says komakom, remember, the Mishnah doesn't mean to include, look at Rashi for just a moment. Rashi says, v'nisnye kabi kiddushin v'yeshaver masnisin badiyamona. So remember, the Mishnah is not going to list every single case. 
Right? The Gemara says, Tana Komakom, the Sefer Lasuye. When it says Komakom, Komakom ultimately means all cases. The Mishnah just means to give examples, but it doesn't mean to provide an exhaustive list. Vibai said, that possibility is the Olam Rabbi Yossi. Maybe it does really reflect the view of Rabbi Yossi. The Tana Ezazu Lemeute. And ultimately, again, the Tana includes Ezazu to exclude certain cases. The Ezazu Vesulo. So we'll say ultimately, again, it, but he, is it coming to exclude just certain cases? Is that an exhaustive list? Vahari Chalal, Shana Sabas Yisrael. say, what about the case of a Chalal who marries a Bas Yisrael? So remember again, Chalal Rabosai is the offspring of a prohibited Kohanic union. So let's say Kohen marries a Grusha, that child is a Chalal. So what about a Chalal who marries a regular Jewish girl? So what's the Alacha? Tiyesh Kiddushin, Ve'in Avera. So the Alacha is, remember again, that's a case. There is Kiddushin, marriage works, there's no Avera, and yet what's the Alacha? Havlad Halich Achar Azachar. The offspring follows the male. So the Lord said, That follows said, That's not a kasha. Why? Because here's the position of Rabbi Dostoy and Rabbi Huda. Sirele, Singmar says, We're going to see what that opinion is in just a moment. What about the case of Yisrael, who marries a chalala? Right? So again, same case, just opposite roles. Once again, once again. So what's the only thing I was just pointing out to us is that Allah Chalamaisa. There are more cases. So we're going to give the same answer all the time. Either halach or is reflective of a view not included in our Mishnah, or, or the statements of the Mishnah by definition are meant to include more cases than are listed here. It's not an all-encompassing list. So what about the case of Yisrael, who married a halala, that's the case ultimately, again, where there is Kiddush and there's no Avera, and yet Havlad, Halach, Achar, Hazachar, the offspring follows the Zachar. To which the Gemara says, once again, Tana, Komakom, Dresha, Lasuye. Again, you're right, that case should be included. We didn't list every single case, but that's what the phrase Komakom, Komakom, means we're establishing a principle. We're giving some examples of the principle, but we do not mean to create, to give the, to give the, to give the impression that the list we are creating is an all-encompassing list. So the Gemara said, but why not mention it explicitly? To which the Gemara said, so the Gemara said, because it's not really a good way to list it. How so? What should we say? Kohanes levia vi Israelis vechalala. Shenisla is the Kohen levi vi Israel. Vechalimaris vi Israel. Should we write it as a Kohanes levia Israelis? Right? Or a Chalala. Who marries a Kohen levi vi Israel? You can't do that. Why? Because Chalala, the Kohen Michazia. Chalala is not permitted to marry a Kohen. Ivaho ikad rabba rachana. What about the case rabba rachana? Do Aminon rabba rachana amrabi yochanon. Mitzri sheni. Shenasa mitzris rishona. So let's listen to this. And remember, the halacha is by Mitzri, an Egyptian convert. The halacha is third generation. They are permitted to marry into the general marriage pool. So what happens if a second generation Mitzri marries a first generation Mitzris? What's the halacha? Bina shlishi. Ultimately, again, their offspring, their offspring is considered to be a third generation Mitzri. So the Gemara says, Bina shlishi hava. All the emerges pointing out over here is this should be another example which illustrates the first case in the Mishnah, yet it's not written. So the Gemara says, don't worry. Again, I will say, we keep on going through the same thing. Just just listen to what's happening in the Gemara over here. The Gemara keeps giving additional examples which seem to illustrate the principles outlined in the Mishnah. And the Gemara is asking, why didn't you include these? So I'm say, so either because some of them are reflective of views not, not included in the Mishnah, 
But more often than not, what the Gemara is saying is, you're right, we're not, we didn't create an all-exhaustive list. That's why, that's why the Mishnah began each category by saying what? Kol makom. Kol makom means what? In any situation, which by definition means, although the Mishnah is giving some examples, it's not giving all of the examples. So, so for example, over here, here's for example, a Mitzri Shani marries a Mitzri Rishona, their child is a Mitzri Shlishi. So what does that show? You're going after the father, right? Because again, remember, the father doesn't produce a Mitzri Shani. That doesn't make sense because he's a Mitzri Shani, but it's going after the father. So why not include this in the first category of the Mishnah? You're right. When it says Komakom, it comes to include additional cases. According to Ravdimi, who says that the child goes after the mother, and therefore the child is only a Shani. The Ezozu will come to exclude this case. Okay? Listen to this. Let's say when it comes ultimately again to the umos. So when the nations of the world have children, status is determined by the father. But if they convert, ultimately the identity of the child is dictated or goes after the more compromised of the two parents. Ultimately, fine. So, Allah will come to exclude this case. So, what's this case? If you ultimately say that our Mishnah is Rabbi Yehuda, ultimately, again, the Komakom, the inclusive phrase of the Mishnah, will come to, will come to include a Yisrael Umarid Chalala. That ultimately, again, status of the child will go after the father. And according to Rabbi Barbachana, the Ezozu of the Reisha will come to exclude the case of Rabdimi Barabin. Amad Beis, the Sefer Lasuye, the Kalmakum of the Sefer comes to include Ger, Shinasan, Amzeras. Fine. Ella, and I will say the, the Sefer is talking about a case of Yesh Kidushin, the Yesh Adera. So that ultimately, I will talk about the case of a Ger who marries Mamzeras. Because we also remember again, that would be reflective of the view of Rabbi Huda, who says that a ger is not allowed to marry Mamzeras. But if he says Rabbi Osi, then ultimately again, the Kamakum of the Reisha is as we said before. So what does the Kamakum of the Sefer case, of Yesh Kidushin Yesh Avera, what does that come to include? So the Gemara says, Rabbi Huda. Ezazu the Seifa Lamali. Why do I need the Ezazu of the Seifa? Ela Aidi de Tana Risha Ezazu, Tana Seifa Ezazu. I will say rather it could be that sometimes some of these Ezazus, which are meant to exclude certain cases, ultimately again are just added in for Mishnaic symmetry. Hakanami, Aidi de Tana Risha Kamakom, Tananami Seifa Kamakom. Good. So I will say, so bottom line. Okay, so let's kind of regroup over here. So remember again, we have our categories. What are our categories? Category number one. There is marriage, no avera, right? Status of the child is determined by, right? Father, that's category one, right? Category two, there is kiddushin and there is avera, right? So what's the halacha? Status is determined by, we call the pagum, the pagum, right? The parent, right? The parent with the genealogical or, or status issue, good? Category number three, ultimately, again, there is no kiddushin in this case, Right, but she can marry someone else, right? So that's that's a case ultimately again, for example, of like adultery or something like that. Ultimately again, what's the halacha? Mamzeres. Mamzeres. 
Amzeres, right? So, okay, so she can have Kiddushim, but not with the man who she's having a child with. Ultimately, but she can have Kiddushim with others. Amzeres in category number four, ultimately, again, is a woman with whom you cannot have Kiddushim. I will say, what's the halacha in that case? Status of the child follows the mother. Fine. So we'll say, and all the, and, and all, all, what do we just do in this last Talmud? What do we just do? All we just establish is the way the Mishnah is structured is every category begins with the same words and ultimately ends with the same words. It begins with the words of Kal Makom. And what does Kal Makom come to teach me? We are espousing the principle. We're going to give examples but the list is not all-inclusive. There are more examples of each principle than those listed in the Mishnah. And the Ezazu, when the Mishnah gives examples, what it's also coming to do is include certain things, but exclude other things. That's the entirety of what we just did in this sugya. Good, let's go right there. Says the Gemara Gufa, Kiyos Rabbi Rabbi Yochanan, Bo'umos Halach Achar Hazachar. So Rabbi said, this is an interesting case. When it comes to the nations of the world, Rabbi said, so again, the status of the child is determined by the father. Okay, Nizgairu, however, again, if the people convert, ultimately, again, we go after the more damaged genealogical one of the two. What does this mean? What does that mean? In other words, that in the nations of the world, we go after the Zachar. What's, what's the, what's the, for us, like, what's the impact of that? This is actually very interesting. Kidisanya. Let's listen to this. Let's say you have, this is talking about non-Jews, talking about non-Gentiles. So you have a guy from a faraway nation, from a faraway nation, right? Who goes ahead, a guy, let's keep it simple, a guy from Edom. A guy from Edom who has relations with a woman from Canaan, a Canaanis. And I will say, just to point out, just to understand, Canaanis, in general, whenever we speak about like a Canaani, a Kanani refers to anyone from the seven indigenous nations who inhabited Canaan when we got there. You know, the Hiti, the Rusi, the, the whole list of people. We call them generically Kanani. So I right, watch this. So a Gentile man from a foreign nation, called from Edom, has relations with a Kananis, with, with a woman from Canaan. Behold, them, they have a child. Shata Rashi Liknoso Be'evet. You are permitted to go ahead and purchase that offspring as an Eved Kinani. Eved Kinani. So we'll say, listen to this. Look at Rashi. So remember again, here's what's interesting. When it comes to the seven indigenous nations, what's Ta'alacha? You have to wipe them out or they leave. Or they leave, right? But you're not allowed to leave them in Eretz Yisrael. Remember, again, this, this was the whole issue with the concern of having Avodah Zorah take root in Eretz Yisrael. So now says, here's what's interesting. Look at Rashi. Shabbat Laknanis, Shebechla lo sechaya, Vo'adin lechaveyes, Lechivis li'ivusis, Elashkumikran. So, Shata Rashi, I'm sorry, one more Rashi. Shata Rashi liknoso be'eved, Dishadin on le'basar, Zohar umutu lachiosam. Now watch this, watch this. So how do I know? So here, 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 here let's, let's go with the facts that I know. The nation's indigenous territory, Israel, right? When Moshe Avinu comes, to, well, when Yoshua leads the people in, remember again that Allah is, Lo you have to wipe out the nations, or they could leave. They don't have, to, you don't have to wipe them out, but they have to leave Eretz Israel. They have to leave Eretz Israel. So both say, so now, so now watch this. How do I know that if a man from Edom has a child with a woman from Canaan, 
that I am allowed to take that offspring as an Eved. Now, saying that I'm allowed to take that, that offspring as an Eved means that you're allowed to allow that offspring to, leave, to live. Shabbosai, which essentially means that what? what? Who determines the status of the offspring? Who determines it? The father. Right? Because remember, again, that means that child is considered to be an Edomite, not a Kenani. Not a Kenani. So how do I know? That Shatarash Lekdos of Eved, Tamalomar, Begam Mibnea Toshalim Hagarim Imachem, Mehem Tiknu. The Pasik says, from the children of the residents who live you, who live with you, ultimately, again, you are permitted to go ahead and take servants. Take servants. Look at Rashi. Incredible. So therefore, when we say, when we say that when it comes to Gentile, Gentile relationships, right? Right? So when a man, Gentile man, Gentile woman, ultimately go ahead and have a child, the identity of that child goes after the father. So we see that we're like, who cares? What, what does that matter to us? It does matter to us because what it means is if a Canaanite woman, if a Canaanite woman has a child with a man from another nation, from an Edomite man, that child has the status of the father and therefore again, I am permitted to purchase that offspring as a servant. Right? Doesn't have the status of a Canaanite, rather it has the status of an Edomite. Okay? So the Gemara says, Yoho, af evet shabal shivchamina umos vaholid ben shatarasha liknosabavet. So what about a Kanani man, a Kanani man who has a child with a woman from a foreign nation? Should I be permitted to purchase that offspring as an Eved? They both say purchasing that offspring as an Eved is also, this, in other words, that means that there's no, there's no obligation to either to wipe them out or to push them out. Talmud Lomar, Asher holido ba'artzichem, min hanoloddin ba'artzichem, velo minagar ba'artzichem. No, no, no. You could purchase servants ultimately again from the Gentile offspring born in your land, but not from those who are indigenous to your land. So ultimately, so this is what it means when we say that the identity, the identity of, by, by Goyim, the identity by the nations of the world is determined by the Father, even though nine out of ten times, what does it matter to us? But it does matter in a specific case when it comes to the seven nations indigenous to Canaan, where you have to either eradicate them or push them out, or push them out. If you have a man from another nation who has a child with a Canaanis, that child has the identity of the father. Conversely, a Canaani who has a child with a woman from another nation, that offspring has the status of a Canaani and therefore is subject to all of the halachos that we have vis-a-vis those indigenous nations. Incredible. So the Margot is back there. For a second wide line, second wide line, Psalm of Psalm of A, 67B. Kol she'in lo alav kiddushin. Did I skip? Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. Niskairu, sorry. Niskairu, halach achra pagum shebishneim. So I'll say, so remember again, now, okay, so this is still in the status of a non-Jewish couple. So if they go in and they convert, and they convert, ultimately status is determined by the pogum, the one who is more genealogically compromised. So my, what's the case? So I'll say, if you want to say it's a case of a male mitzri, right, who marries an Ammonis, a woman from Ammon, my pogum iko, Ammoni velo Ammonis. Ella, so let's listen to this, it's actually very interesting. Ella, ba'amoni shenosa mitzris. So we'll say, okay, this is a very interesting case. There are certain limitations on, on certain nations marrying into Klal Yisrael. Right, so for example, the halacha is, the halacha is, Torah says, 
Lo yavo amoni bekal Hashem. A male, a male member of the nation of Amon is not permitted to marry into the assembly. Now, now, what does that mean? What does that mean? A male member of Amon could convert. He could convert, but he is not allowed to marry into the general marriage pool. Right? That's the halacha. How long does that prohibition extend for? Forever. It never changes. Conversely, let's say, for example, a Mitzri. An Egypt, and I will say there's a reason for each of these, right? But a, a, an Egyptian convert. An Egyptian convert. What's the halacha? Three generations. Right? For three generations, they cannot marry into the regular marriage pool. They both say, who do you marry if you can't marry into the general marriage pool? You can marry other converts. Right? You could also marry Mamzerim, although again, that's going to come with its own issues, <coughs> genealogical issues. But you cannot marry into the general marriage pool. I will say, just so you understand, in both of these cases, it's punitive. Right? By the mystery, it's punitive because of what the mystery did to us. By Amon and Moab, it's also punitive, right? Why? The Torah says, because they did not come out to greet us with bread and water when we were traveling in the desert. Remember again, these are our cousins. Right? Amon and Moab are our cousins from Lot, right? From Lot, the nephew of Avram Avinu. So this is our Mishpacha. This is our Mishpacha. And yet they did not come out to greet us with bread and water when we were traveling. So I will say, so now watch this case. Watch this case. So the Gemara says, first white line, Ela Ba'amoni Shinosa Mitzris. So this is fascinating. What happens if you have a male member of Amon, who, right, both these people converted. So you have an Ammonite convert who married a Mitzris, a woman who's, a, who's an Egyptian convert. Now, we'll say, now watch this. So, what's the, so now what did the Mishnah say? What did the Mishnah say? Or the Braises said, if you have two non-Jews who converted, the status of their offspring is determined by who? The Pogum, right? The more damaged genealogical one determines the offspring of the, the status of the offspring. So watch this. So now if you have a male member, a, a male, a, a, an Ammonite, a male member of Ammon who married a mistress. So they have a child. So what's the status of the child? It depends. If they have a boy. So if they have a boy, the boy will take on the status of his father as an Ammonite ger. As an Ammonite ger. And therefore, again, will also be restricted in, in the marriage pool. In the Kiva, but if it's a girl, if it's a girl, so remember, the prohibition on Amon to convert in and marry into the Jewish people is only on who? The men. It's not on the women, right? right? It's not on the women. So therefore, if it's a boy, we'll ascribe the boy the status of the father. If it's a girl, we'll ascribe her the status of the mother. Now that makes her Mitzri Shemi, which ultimately means that her offspring, the Mitzri Shlishi, could marry into the general pool. Okay, fascinating. Second one line of both sides. So I'll say, so remember again, the Mishnah said, anyone, remember again, this was, this was, uh, the uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, so I'll say, so this is actually category number three. This is category number three of where a man has a child with a woman whom he cannot marry, but she can marry other people. So the typical case of this would be adultery, right? Adultery. So I'll say, so remember again, this is pretty, so remember what, what does this union produce? A mamzer, a mamzer. So any case, this is any case of Arayos, any case of Arayos. So any case of Arayos, the, the man cannot affect Kiddushin with this woman. It is impossible to affect, but this same woman could affect Kiddushin with other men. So the, what's the status of their offspring? Status of their offspring is going to be a mamzer. From where do we know this? From where do I know? From where do I know that halacha 
if a man has relations with a woman with whom he cannot have kiddushin, but she could have kiddushin with other people, that the offspring of that union is a mamzer. So the Ultimately, again, to others, but not to relatives. Take a look at Rashi. That will say Rashi is in the wide lines, about two, four, six, seven lines into the wide lines. So we'll say, what you see here is as follows. When the Torah describes, this is now, it's interesting. What we're doing is we're extrapolating the laws of marriage from within the context of divorce. So the Torah says that when he when give, gives his wife a get, ultimately again she will become a wife to who? Who could she marry? Who could she marry? Acher. Acher. Now, Acher means what? We, we interpret that the Acher and not relatives. So from here you see, you know, say that the institution of marriage only works vis-a-vis, quote-unquote, other men and not to relatives. So from here we see that a woman cannot marry a relative. And I will say, so therefore again, so therefore again, what well, we're going to extrapolate this, we're going to expound this a little bit more. Rabbi Abba, below the ben. So I will say, maybe, maybe ultimately again, it refers ultimately she, she can marry someone else and not the son of the man who she divorced. So the Gemara says, Ben, the Hedjik Sib, it says explicitly, Lo yikach ish es eishas aviv. So we'll say, the Torah explicitly says that a man cannot marry the wife of his father. We're talking about over here, even the wife of his father is not what? It's not what? Not his mother, right? So in other words, you can't, you stand, you can't marry your stepmother, to which the Gemara says, if that's the case, acher lamali, why do I need the word acher? What does that come to teach me? To which the Gemara says, shmamina, shmamina, ultimately again, laacherim, velolikrovim. So I will say, Acher comes to teach me, Acher comes to teach me, Dafka Acher and not to Krovin. Dafka comes to teach me a specific halakha, which is, Faisali Ish Acher, a woman could marry an Acher, someone else, bless you, but there is no kiddushin when it comes to one's relatives. So I will say, very interesting. Ve'ema, Idi ve'idi leben, maybe both Acher, maybe both the word Acher, and ultimately again the Pasek, Lo Yikach, Ishes, Ishes, Aviv, are both coming to teach me the same halakha, namely, that a son cannot marry his father's wife. So I don't need to Bosei teaches me, in other words, Bosei, sometimes a marriage can be prohibited, but if you did it, B'dyeved, it works. Maybe he's come to teach me that if a son tries to marry his father's wife, L'chatchila, he can't do it, and even if you try to do it, B'dyeved, it still doesn't work. L'chatchila me'achos ishanafka. No, no. Bosei, the fact that you can't marry an erva, Ultimately, again, l'chatrila, that I know already from Achos Isha, from marrying the wife's sister. Uma Achos Isha bekares lo tikdash. So ultimately, again, so when it comes to Achos Isha, remember, if a man tries to marry his wife's sister, that is punishable by kares. Punishable by kares. Uma Achos Isha bekares lo tikdash. So I'll say, if at the end of the day, marrying your wife's sister, which is punishable by kares, if you try to affect kiddushin, it doesn't work. Chaybe misos beizim l'koshke. The boss is actually interesting. You know, in our minds, we often think that a chiyav kares is more chamer than misas beizdin. 
but it's not true. It's not true. Actually, Nisa's based in something punishable by a based in is always more chamer than kares. Kares, remember again, is at the hands of heaven. So also because it's at the hands of heaven, technically speaking, what does that tell me? It's forgivable. Technically, it's a forgivable transgression. In a human court, in a human court, once there's liability, it's not forgivable anymore. So if by achos isha, which is punishable by kares, if you try to affect the marriage, it doesn't work. So all the more so when it comes to something punishable and he says basin, which would be a case, for example, of a son trying to marry his father's wife. Surely would it work. Maybe both of these psukim, maybe the Pasuk by Achosisha and Acher are both coming to teach that you can't marry your wife's sister. And what is talking about you can't do it. And even if you tried it, it still wouldn't work. So now, essentially, what I have is based on the Pasuk and Acher, I learned that what? If you try to marry your wife's sister, it doesn't work. The Kiddushin doesn't work. From where do I know? From where do I know? That in any case of Erva, right? In any, in any relationship that falls under the umbrella of Arayos, if you try to affect Kiddushin with this woman, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. You cannot affect Kiddushin. So how do I know that that is true? So the Gemara says, Yafina me'achosisha. Maybe I can learn that from achosisha. Ma'achosisha mi'uchadashi erva v'chayavan azadona karis v'ashir gasachatos. When it comes to achosisha, which is an erva, and ultimately, again, if you do it intentionally, you're chayat karis, and unintentionally, if you unintentionally, accidentally have relations with your wife's sister, I mean, good luck explaining that one, right? But 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 Lamaisa, right? But Lamaisa, right? If it was ultimately again, it was a show game. There's a chatos below tafsi bakidushin. Ultimately again, kidushin doesn't take effect. So I'll say maybe this is the paradigm. It's paradigm. Af kol shehi erva vechayoven al zadona karis al shegas chatos lo tafsi bakidushin. Ultimately again, I'll say so halach Lamaisa. Say any case that's an erva and where you're chayev karis for intentional violation. Chatas for unintentional violation. Ultimately, again, Kiddushin doesn't work. Kiddushin doesn't work, to which the Gemara says, I will say, you know what, we'll have, we'll have to stop over here. We'll have to stop over here. But I will say, so bottom line, so some say what we're stopping in the middle of. What we're trying to figure out is a very simple thing, yet incredibly profound. The Mishnah told me, the Mishnah told me that saw any case where you can't affect Kiddushin, any case where you can't, brothers, but this woman could have Kiddushin with other people, what's the the offspring is in Mamzer. Which tells me, Abbas, now what the Mishnah is also teaching me, kind of just Derech Agav is, you can't affect Kiddushin with a woman who is an erva to you. Now that all you are trying to figure out is, how do I know that? How do I know that? So the Gemara wanted to suggest that maybe the paradigm is Eishas Ishto, is your wife's sister. Maybe that's the paradigm. Again, we're, gonna, we're kind of leaving off in the middle of that paradigm. We'll continue with this. I will say, find resolution as well. I will say, Shkoyach.